Loving Father in heaven, we have come, we have asked, you have granted. Send your Holy Spirit again, Lord, as we talk about this very sometimes clandestine topic. It could be overt or covert. We just want the message to be clear. We understand that the forces of darkness have come down having great wrath because Satan himself knows that he has but a short time. Father, we pray that your people will be sober and be vigilant because our adversary, the devil, walks around seeking to devour our churches, our young people, our families, our children, our marriages, our institutions. And as we are informed, we also pray that we'll be transformed. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today we're at station number five, and this is the last stop. This is the last stop. This stop is entitled Born Again. What is it entitled? Born Again. Now what you're going to discover, hold on a moment. You're going to discover that in the Christian industry, terms that are being used in the Bible for Christianity are being twisted and the same terminologies are being used in the occult world, but a completely different meaning is given to it. Now, I, I, a couple of days in a row, I introduced you to a man by the name of Alistair Crowley, or Crowley, whichever one you prefer, uh, a man whose book, written by the influence of spirits, has now become a phenomena worldwide, the Bible, as it were, for the industry of entertainment, of movies, of music, of power moguls, of politicians, it's used by people at levels that you would not even imagine. And the entire purpose of it, just like the Ten Commandments give us success in living in obedience to God's law, they follow these laws and principles, which I told you, if you didn't get it, whenever you open the book, of the, whenever you open the book called Libra Albelirgis, or in Latin, the book of the law, there's a warning in the very beginning. And I remember opening that looking at the very beginning, it says, do not open this book because contained herein are spirits that you cannot control. So I prayed, because I know that when I put the first series together, I'd be typing on my computer and I said to my wife once, come look at this. What I'm typing and what's coming out is not the same thing. So I knew that there was a tremendous, tremendous uh, spiritual battle and even putting the information together. And occult leaders, one of the major occult leaders of this organization, OTO, contacted us and told us in an email that everything I said about them is true, but they just wanted to get together with me and talk about it. Well, I'm from New York, sounded like a setup to me, so I gave no place to the devil. And as I mentioned before, just to reiterate to those of you who may not, may not have been here, uh, the entertainment lawyer for Janet Jackson contacted me as he was perusing the internet, just he and his wife were spending time on the internet after learning about the Sabbath, they wanted to find more truth and they kept searching the internet and he said, my name kept coming up and not knowing who I am, he decided after the fifth time, well, let me see what this guy has to talk about. And he said he watched this series five times, that's 25 hours of viewing, and left a lengthy message on my answering machine. And we're good friends now, and uh, he said, it's amazing that so much of the world and our culture are not aware of really what's happening. And so just to lead out today, 
When you hear the word universal, you have universal movies, universal. Universal is the parent company under which 99% of the record and movie labels exist. Like Sony would be under universal. So they are the universal controllers of entertainment on every level. And this young, young work there. And just to give you a little snippet, the reason why the issues that we confront are so vitally important is because when we, when we have an evangelistic series as pastors, we gather around the materials and we say, Lord, wherever this material goes, we pray for your Holy Spirit to go with it. They do the very same thing in the occult world. They have a room that's called Behind the Door. When I talked about that, that was the one thing that um, uh, activated or initiated the phone call from this person whose name I would not mention publicly. He said, when you mentioned that in your series, I had to call you because my question was, how did you know? On the 13th floor at various universal uh, locations, they have a room where they take that DVD or CD before it's duplicated or replicated and it's before it's mastered, and they pray around it, witches, warlocks, wizards, and they pray that wherever that DVD goes, an evil spirit will follow it. So that's why one of your young people listen to this type of music or watch the types of movies. You wonder why they behave the way they do, because they're opening doors, and they have no idea, because it's designed to appeal to the things that they like. So today, I'm going to show you some other ways where this terminology, born again, has been completely reinterpreted and, and distorted in the entertainment industry. Let me begin by introducing you to another writing of Aleister Crowley, uh, 777 and other Kabbalistic writings of Aleister Crowley. Uh, you find uh, two pictures representing this book, uh, 777. It's another way of communicating. Now, let me just say something ahead of time. If you travel on a Boeing 777, don't worry about it. <laughs> That's not the point. Because he had 727, 737, they had 707, 717, 727, 737, 747, 757, Now they have 787. It's just the seven lines. But it has nothing to do with this. Got that out of the way. But one of our very famous artists that is now deceased, Michael Jackson, when they put together his anthology, this is Michael Jackson, Past, Present, and Future, and this was book one, on the very cover they had a statue of Michael Jackson, and most people that did not know what to look for would not find it, but on the armband which I highlighted were the numbers 777, indicating that he in some degrees implemented the theories and the beliefs and the religious practices to some level of Aleister Crowley, because they all in the industry in some degree use whatever portion, as many of us use certain portions of the Bible, they implement certain portions in their own lives to access the power that is promised through the power that exists here. So let me introduce to you some of the ways that 777 has been seen, but you didn't know it. Here's one way. Many of you seen the, they call, this is called the, the diagrammatic lightning strike, the three sevens all painted in simply a lightning bolt. Let me go ahead and let you know and understand what this means. 777 in mythology represents the weapon of Zeus. It means the destroyer. It was worn by the Nazi to represent one who has power over another. That's why they had that in their uniform. 
You would see it on their uniforms, and you'd wonder, well, why do they have that short, uh, short lightning strike? Because in reality, during their time of tyrannical reign militarily, they had power. They had, is, that a, is that an understatement? They had power. And so they wore that on their military uniform. They were not the ones that came up with the idea, but this was a mythological application long before. So the Nazis simply adopted that to let you know they had power. But it's also used in the industry, in the music and the entertainment industry. Here's an album cover, uh, Lady Gaga. You see right there in the center, the album cover on the left. She has the diagrammatic sevens. And they call the, them diagrammatic, simply meaning they believe in bringing power from above to beneath because lightning strikes from the top to the bottom. In some unusual cases, lightning strikes from the bottom to the top, and that's an anomaly. But for the most part, it clashes in the clouds and it strikes from the top to the bottom. They believe in the diagrammatic way, they're bringing down power from above and it's as they're accessing this power from above. Lady Gaga, you see over her right eye, she's showing the lightning strike over her right eye. And you'll see it once again implemented here. Uh, Marilyn Manson, this is a patch. He also was a disciple of the, of the Church of Satan. You see that lightning strike in the center of that patch. And if you don't take particular attention to the one on the left, you have Marilyn Manson, Church of Antichrist superstar. And here you have two angels, and what are they doing? They're bowing to the lightning strike. Don't want to stress you out, but you might wonder why Elvis is still being worshipped to this very day. Go down to Graceland and look at Elvis's paraphernalia. My wife and I were down there about four years ago, five years ago, I can't remember exactly how long it was, but we went to the uh, gift shop. They offered us an opportunity to go and to see Elvis's house, but I'm not paying $30 to look at anybody's furniture. So I settled for the gift shop. And I took this picture because almost everything in the gift shop that had Elvis's emblem on it, even his plane, had that lightning strike, that lightning bolt. And you wonder, well, is he a, is he a meteorologist? No, he's not a meteorologist. He, once again, he, what, did, did Elvis have power? Yes or no? Yeah. Of course. Every birthday, there's a pilgrimage down to Graceland, still honoring whether, he, whether they see sightings of Elvis or not. People are believing that somehow his music is what they might refer to as immortal. But you have the book, the group, the black, uh, the uh, rock group, ACDC, and right there in the center of it. Uh, and some people have suggested that ACDC means Antichrist, Devil Child. Well, some people have said that's not the case, some, and others have said that is the case, but it still remains a mystery as to what that means. But I wouldn't doubt that because, in fact, if you listen to their music, you can't think of any other source than a source that is against Christ. But that is where you find it again. And then a, a very well-known artist, anybody uh, remember David Bowie? David Bowie was one of the uh, rock artists that in many of his concerts, and you put that name David Bowie on the internet, you'll find in many of his pictures, he still has that. He was very proud of that. He painted right across his face or on his shirt or on his outfit, but he displayed that always. And then you have the Grateful Dead. And it's amazing how the Grateful Dead placed it. They placed it right where the mind is. You notice right in the skull, right in the top of the skull. Why? Because they know that through their music, they have power over your mind. 
That's why the Apostle Paul says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Satan does not want our minds to be renewed. He wants us to conform and not to be transformed. Now, during the week I mentioned we have to be careful even about our cartoons because Disney and Nickelodeon are proponents of this kind of world. I was watching uh, Nickelodeon once, and I, after, I, after I saw this, I went to the Internet to see if I could gain access to a picture of it. And I was fortunate to do that. This is, a, this is a still picture of an opening sequence to a Nickelodeon show. And every occult symbol showed up on that opening, on that opening um, sequence. The lightning strike, the circle with the triangle in it, the all-seeing eye. It all showed up in that one particular sequence. Nickelodeon. Satan is not leaving any avenue untouched. That's why the Bible says he's gone out to the kings of the earth and of the how much of the world? Whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. A very famous artist, and some people might think, well, just coincidental. No, here's Rihanna. The posters, she was advertising one of her tours, her um, concert tours, and Rihanna, 777 Live. She said, seven countries, seven days, seven shows. Coincidental? Absolutely not. Continually intentional. And they communicate so that all in the industry understand and know that they are part of the very same uh, sequence or organization of darkness. Something else about the occult world, the occult world perverts the name of Jehovah. I want you to pay particular attention to these next upcoming slides. But let me preface it by reading Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Notice, then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And verse 14, his name, uh, his name, what shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, together, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, Who I am has sent you. Glad I found that right away. I knew that I had something playing. Let me just stop it in the background here. Okay, wonderful. Praise the Lord. Got it. And so he says, Say to them, Who sent you? I am sent you. Well, they call her Queen Bee. They call her Megastar. Beyonce has risen to such a level that uh, not too long ago in San Francisco, they held a church service called the Beyonce Worship Service. Look it up on the internet. They said, Beyonce speaks our language. So therefore, she is our focus. She is our goddess. And they literally held a Beyonce Worship Service. I have the video here. There's so much I have that I can't really show you. I don't have the time to do it. But they passed out bulletins. And when people came into this church, uh, they were singing one of Beyonce's song, I'm a survivor. Ba, ba. Young people know the song. I'm not going to sing it for you. But um, so they have a Beyonce worship service. And Beyonce had a tour that she had in various locations, and she called it the I Am Tour. Now, the I Am is who? God. 
But the industry that raised her to this godlike level, she feels now that she has the prerogative or the, resp- or the right or the freedom. She does have the freedom, but she believes that she has the right now to say, it's not, he's not the I am, I am the I am. But it, it goes even farther than Beyonce. I'm going to show you a video now that's about four minutes, maybe a little less than four minutes. And I want you to pay particular attention because what is happening in our world today, and I, and I, sh- I want to show you the plethora, the very platform, the broad application of where and how these artists come up with the idea that they had access to the phrase, I am, and why they believe I am is significant and why they believe that there is a power in the phrase, I am. Now, there's power in the I am, amen? But they believe by using the phrase, I am, that it gives them power that's beyond human ability. And psychologists... Uh, uh, sociologists, uh, pastors, and they call themselves mystics, people in the industry that call themselves religious, have distorted the use of the I am. So I'm going to show you a video. Pay particular attention to the way they distort the I am. And, And I'm going to tell you this so you don't miss it. In the video, they believe that God gave Moses the power to perform miracles, and they believe that the power to perform the things that Moses stood in behalf of the deliverance of the children of Israel for, they believe the power was in Moses. They don't believe the power was in God. And in the very same way, you remember that text in the Bible where it says, in the book of Luke, I say unto you today, you shall be with me in paradise. Remember that one? Well, what was the distortion where the comma was, right? I believe... Today, I say to you, comma, today you'll be with me in paradise. We know the Lord was, I was saying to you today, comma, you'll be with me in paradise. The comma made all the difference in how that text was understood. The devil remembered that, and he did it one more time. Are you ready? Here we go. I am. I am. I am. What? I am. I am. I am. I am free. I am. I am. I am. I am present. I am. 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 I Moses learned something from God that day that changed the world. In fact, we still talk about the miracles he produced. When God gave Moses the name, I am that I am, there was a simple code that went with it that unlocked the true power and meaning of the words. But then the name of God was banned, and uttering it was sometimes even punishable with death. And so the code was lost. A code is a system of letters, numbers, or symbols that communicates information when converted into normal language. If the Moses Code could unlock the power of God's name today, is it possible that we would have the power to create miracles just like Moses did 3,500 years ago? 
For the first time, world-renowned scholars, psychologists, and philosophers will reveal the Moses Code and how you can harness its energy to change your life. Today, we have the power to destroy the world many times over, but the Moses Code unleashes a new kind of power, one that creates worlds and helps us fulfill our individual and collective destiny. Most of us were taught that the name given to Moses was, I am that I am. That doesn't make sense without the code. In reality, the name was much simpler. The Moses Code is a common symbol, something that we see and experience every day. The Moses Code is a comma. The Moses Code is a comma? A comma. I don't think so. I am that I am with a comma. We're not saying that the Moses Code is a comma. We're saying the Moses Code needs a comma. I am that. Comma. I am. The very name of God, I am that I am, has intrigued me for many, many years. When I was a child, I was told this by my, the adults around me. I am that I am, saith the Lord. And I thought, what in the world does that mean? I am that I am. Then one day a spiritual teacher said to me, I want you to change your life in 24 hours. I want you to walk down the street for 60 minutes today and I want you to look at everything you see and I want you to identify personally with that. Whatever it is, the grass, the flowers, other people, the wino, uh, the rich person driving by, the, sh the uh, chauffeur-driven uh, uh, Cadillac, whatever it is, just look at it and say, I am that. So I did that. I walked down the street. I was with a friend and I was saying in my mind, I am that, I am that, I am that. Whatever I looked at, if I saw violence on a TV screen, I am that. If I saw something beautiful happening in the park between a mother and a daughter, I am that. I was just saying that to myself and allowing myself to identify with all that is. And the friend that I was with looked at me and said, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm just saying I am that. She said to me, no, you're not that. You're not that, you're you. I said, no, no, I am that. You don't understand, I really am that. She said, no, no, you're you. You're really mixed up in your head. I said, listen to me, I am that, I am. And then I said, oh my God, did you hear what I just said? I just said, I am that. I am. The great name of God, I am that I am, has been misunderstood from the beginning of time. It's simply God's simple way, God's very human way of saying an enormous truth. I am that. I am. Everywhere you see, you see me. People used to say God is in everything. Really, everything is in God. God isn't just saying that I created that. God is this field, this presence that is everywhere in its fullness. God is saying, I am that. I am that. I am that person. I am that. I am that experience. I am that. I am every that that there is. Many of us are still stuck at kind of a fifth grade idea of God, and so we, we have, you know, I am that I am, is this man in the sky with a white flowing beard and these big long flowing robes. God made us in its image and we've been trying to return the favor ever since. God made us in its image and we've been trying to return the favor ever since. God made us in its image and we've been trying to return the favor ever since. If God actually is each one of us, then that would mean that each one of us is an embodiment of God. If that's true, then what would the possibilities be? What could we create? 
Now it's time for us to consider what we can create from that new experience. If saying and being, I am that, I am, really can unlock the power of God within us, the next question is, well, how extensive is that power? Can we move mountains and create miracles like Jesus and Moses? Did you get it? Do you see the mass distortion? They're saying that if we can gain, if we can gain access, because each one of us is an embodiment of God, that means if we could harness the power that God has, we can move mountains, create miracles, and design our own destiny. The buzzword in the evangelical world is destiny. That's why you hear all these nominal Christian preachers, destiny. They believe that by harnessing the power that they believe Moses had, can turn them into a modern-day Moses, a modern-day Jesus, a modern-day God, and they can orchestrate their own destiny. And notice how they put the comma. They said, the, I am that I am. And what bothered me about this is the lady said, we have this distorted picture of God as he's this man of the sky with this long flowing, uh, this beard and this long flowing robe. Well, John in Revelation describes him that way. But they say that's a fifth-grade perception of God. And so what they've done psychologically, mystically, is brought God down to a common level. And you see, that's why those who harness power, and let me tell you, the devil said that he would give Jesus, it's amazing, hear carefully, the devil said that he would give Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. He, in a boastful and out of context way claimed to have access to the kingdoms of the world and he said to Jesus the creator I'd give it to you if you fall down and do what worship me it's all about worship and so when these megastars I showed you the video a few days ago but I'm going to show you some still pictures as to the power that the I am Beyonce has on her audience before she even performs Look at, the, look, at the, look at the faces. Look at the way that people are reacting. And these are pictures taken, still representations of the video. These are pictures taken of the audience. And Beyonce hasn't even come on the stage yet. She's not performing. She's not doing anything. This is just the anticipation. They're getting close to the point where she's about to come out. And these are the reactions. Look at the young man. They cannot control themselves. You tell me that there is not some kind of spirit in control of them. And in fact, Beyonce, Jay-Z, Adele, Kanye, Celine, you go down the whole name, you go down the whole list of these megastars, they have all access to power that they are in fact working through. That is in fact manipulating our world to a degree that we have not yet even imagined. Not only is the occult world distorting the I am, but the occult world orchestrated the road to destruction. Look at some of these stars that have used the term I am in their artists and in their, in their, uh, and, and in their CD covers. You have um, Mariah Carey to the right, I am. Alicia Keys to the, to the left, I am. You have uh, Christina Aguilera on her album cover, I am. You have Chrisette Michelle, large album cover, I am. You have Nas, a hip-hop artist, 
the bottom left, I am. You have a young man, they just simply call him Chipmunk. Uh, there he is, uh, his album cover, I am. Another group called Monroe's, I am. Mary J. Blige, I am. And you have 50 Cent's, I am that I am. Then you have uh, another album cover to the left, Will, I am. Then Kelly Rowland, here, I am. Then you have uh, P. Diddy or Puff Combs or P. Daddy, whatever you want to call them, I am. The occult world also distorts the mission of Jesus. Matthew 1 and verse 21. When Jesus was coming as our Savior to the earth, the converted tax collector wrote these words. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will do what? Save his people from their sins. Well, the occult world has gone to the level of taking the name of Jesus and distorting even that. Here are a couple of album covers. Uh, Rolling Stone magazine had a picture of Kanye West. On the cover, he's called The Passion of Kanye West. And he has on his head the thorns representing the crucifixion of Christ. And then you have the other album cover. They, they casually call him today Jesus. Uh, we saw a game show not too long ago where they referred to him as Jesus. Surrounded by women, has on the thorns of, of Christ on his head, and the cross upside down. Very much an occult symbol. Turn the cross upside down. Let me go even further. In John 1 and verse 21, another distortion of the mission and the person of Christ. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the what? Sin of the world. My wife and I were in a mall somewhere sitting down having, <laughs> I don't even remember where we were. We are so many places. Well, like the Channel 7 news van, there they go again. But um, we're sitting down at a eatery in the mall, and we, you know, it's so nice to see people in public that, that are proud of Jesus, that are not afraid to represent Christ. And we saw a young man walking by, and he had a T-shirt on. On the front of it says, the Lamb of God. And we said, praise the Lord, someone is a, proud of Jesus. Someone is not afraid to talk about Jesus. Well, when he passed us by, it blew us away because what was on the front and what was on the back was like, what? Here it is. The front of his shirt had Lamb of God and the back of his shirt had walk with me in hell. And what people don't know is in the occult world, they use the word Lamb of God. Look at the album cover. Let me go back to it. The album cover. This is a, a rock group called Wrath, and I didn't, even talk about the, I didn't even talk about the occult Godhead. They have their own Godhead. That's why whenever you pray, do not ever say Mother God. Did I, can I say that again? Because Mother God is an occult terminology. We don't pray Father and Mother God. Mother God is an occult terminology. But Lamb of God... And the album cover is called Wrath. The occult world also usurps the authority of God. You find here Jay-Z. On the left, he has a hoodie with the phrase on it, do what thou wilt, showing clearly a, a proponent, a supporter of the philosophies of Aleister Crowley. And on the right, he has an album cover called DJ Storm Presents Jehovah, the God MC. I don't have enough time to, and it's on the DVD series, 
and we're all out of those. We're all out of those. But in the world of masonry, there are three ways of identifying the three levels of masonry. The highest one is Jehovah. But they're not referring to our God. They're, for, they're referring to an occult representation of the significance they add to that name. When you reach the highest level, they call you Jehovah. And in the occult world, and I'll show you this in the upcoming pictures, a mason, an operative mason, is a person who literally builds physical buildings. Many of the buildings in Washington, D.C. were built by masons. Our country was established by Masonic principles. So when you say, I want to go back to the faith of our fathers, you better know what you're talking about. It was not until Roger Williams was ostracized from the colonies that America became a country based on religious liberty. Up until that point, we were not founded on religious liberty. We were founded on a system similar to Catholicism, which meant you had to believe a certain set of beliefs in order to be involved in politics and religion. And do you know what? We're getting right back to that. If you don't believe a certain set of beliefs, you cannot be a part of the political landscape. We're getting back to the foundation of our forefathers before religious liberty was established. And by the way, Rhode Island became the first religious liberty, religiously free colony in America. So be careful when you say we want to go back to the faith of our fathers. However, the, the operative mason builds physical buildings, structures. But the speculative mason builds allegorical buildings. So the allegorical building serves as the places where they worship. The physical building was the places where the masons worship. The allegorical building, meaning a symbolical place of worship, represents the places where they hold their worship. And I'll tell you in just a moment where that is. Here's Jay-Z in his anthology. He's showing carefully the triangle, looking through with his left eye. And Jay-Z, in fact, now let me show you the allegorical temples. What many people don't know is the allegorical temples that these uh, speculative masons use is the concert halls. Look at this picture carefully. This is a concert where Jay-Z flashes the triangle to his audience. And the entire audience raises their hand in, in, in acknowledgement. In their quote-unquote worship of the God he serves. The occult world also exalts the unholy. 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 4. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God showing himself that he what? Is God. So that's why when they call each other when they, when, they made the, when they lift themselves to this point of worship, we should never put ourselves in a position where we worship any man or anything. Because as I, mentioned, as I mentioned to you over the last few days, it is all about worship. It's all about worship. That's why the three angels' messages is, worship him who made heaven and the earth, because it's all about worship. Going further, the occult world misrepresents the new birth. Here's a hip-hop Bible. 
And I, I summarized this down. Uh, this this hip-hop artist is called KRS-One. He wrote what he called the hip-hop Bible. And look at what he says about the hip-hop Bible. There is the reference at the very bottom. He said, it explores the spirituality of hip-hop, the divinity of hip-hop. Listen to his terminology. I'm suggesting that in 100 years, this book will be the new religion on earth. That's what the hip-hop industry is all about. I respect the Christianity, the Islam, the Judaism, but their time is up. Hip-hop is not just a form of music. Hip-hop is the new religion of the music industry. It's far deeper. That's why you have everybody going, hey, sub dog? I ain't nobody dog. I know this D-A-W-G. And they make it seem like if you, if you want to be in, you got to be sour. You got to have your pants hanging down. What's up? How you doing, bro? Flashing symbols. What's up? Looking like you want to kill somebody. What's missing is the fruit of the Spirit. If you don't find love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, patience, another spirit is in control. When young people can't even smile. So, I'm from New York, but it ain't just in New York. My wife and I were down in New Zealand. At a camp meeting in New Zealand, cute little, cute little uh, 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 girls from the Cook Islands and from Samoa, they came and met us with hoodies. How you doing, Pastor? So, what? As I'd say in New York, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. I'm thinking, this is New Zealand. What is this doing on an Adventist campus? But it's everywhere. The occult world also perverts the new birth. Follow this carefully. Perversion of the new birth. Rebirth or Freemasonry. The rebirth which takes place at the end of the ritual, where the initiate is raised out of a coffin, sends a powerful message to the subconscious. There's a reference at the very bottom. Messages that death awaits the unfaithful, and that Masonic redemption is possible only through secrecy. Now, the reason why this young man, and I kind of feel badly for him, because some of you that were raised during the era of the blue suede shoes, um, Elvis had a handler that traveled with him. The first album that catapulted Elvis to stardom, look at the symbolism on the cover, and look at the title of the album cover. The album cover is Reborn. You have Elvis with a, like a, a Superman-like cape, but below him is a Elvis in the coffin, which means the old Elvis is gone. The new Elvis is reborn. The same terminology. But it's not just Elvis. It was used, it became into prominence around Elvis' time, the Beatles' time. It wasn't very much beyond that particular point. Because this new ideology, this new power, this new control of the entertainment industry started emerging uh, like in the mid to late 50s and then really gaining steam in around the 70s and 80s and late 60s. Look at some of the other examples a very well-known young man who lived in Brooklyn, not too far from where I lived. He was called Notorious B.I.G. 
1994, he had, a, he had an album cover, a CD called Ready to Die. Now, he didn't mean he was ready to be killed. He means I'm getting to the place where I'm about to cross over. I'm about to die to who I am and to step over into who they want me to be. Unfortunately, three years later, he was killed. Ready to die? Killed March 9th, 1997. And unfortunate, unfortunate. But after his death, the next CD that came out in honor of him was called Born Again. Because his music really didn't cease, it just continued going on, going on, and going on. And even after his death, many people had concerts in honor of him. They had a concert tour called The, the Life After Death, released 15 days after his death. Look at him, standing strangely and ironically standing by a hearse, and on the back of the hearse, life after death. Now, look at the spiritual application. We say, and the Bible says, except a grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it abides alone. And we know baptism is a symbol of what? Death. They use the same principles in the occult world. They said, but you got to die to who you were to step over into this new powerful industry. So when he says, I'm ready to die, he means I'm ready to step over. Unfortunately, not everybody lives. I talked about Aaliyah. She died young. I talked about left, Lisa Left Eye Lopez. She died young. Not everybody survives to cross over because the wages of sin is still death. The Notorious B.I.G. tour. And then they put a movie out, Life After Death, the movie of his life. Also an album cover. These are all after he died, called Hypnotize. The first song on the CD in his honor was Life After Death. And another tour, Hypnotized by Fame, Notorious B.I.G. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. John 3, verse 6. That which is born of the flesh together is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is what? Spirit. Does anybody know who Calvin Brodus is? If you know who he is, raise your hand. Okay, now, does anybody know who Snoop Dogg is? Have you heard that term? Okay, watch. When did he get that identity? Here it is. He had an album, a DVD cover called Murder Was the Case. Murder Was the Case They Gave Me. For those of you who are young, you know what I'm talking about. But why did he come out with that? He said, Calvin Brodus died in 1994, and he was reborn Snoop Dogg. Showing this whole ideology, he stepped over, and Snoop Dogg, untold power, untold fame, untold fortune, he could be as corrupt as he possibly can. And the amazing thing about the corruption, they know these guys are into heavy drugs. They know these guys are into corruption and pornography and vice. But the industry protects it because, let me tell you why, because that's the way they want your young people to go. They want to make corruption and darkness look like the way to go. That's why it's hard to get people to look respectful nowadays. All you've got to do to be unusual is have your pants at your waist. Or not have a tattoo. Or to not have holes all over your head. Or not to be plugged up. I think it was, past, I think it was uh, Doug and I, or maybe another pastor and I, we went to a... And, and, so, and I'm going to just say this respectfully, so many of the young people don't know. They just don't know. But their minds are being molded by the very images. By beholding, we become changed. And they think this is the way to go. They think this is the way to be accepted. And they are so desirous of being accepted that they are losing their uniqueness by making themselves a pattern of somebody else. Here's another group showing the progress of their fame. A group called Bone Thugs and Harmony. 
The very first CD they released was in a cemetery, symbolizing their death. Their next CD was called Bone Thugs and Harmony Resurrection. The next CD after that was called Bone Thugs and Harmony Rebirth. And the next one after that was Bone Thugs and Harmony Eternal. This CD particularly was so demonic, they wrote the lyrics backward. Follow carefully. They wrote the lyrics in reverse. This is very significant. So what do you have to do to read something that's written backward? What do you have to do? Read it in a mirror. This is clever. In the occult world, they know they cannot cast a spell on a Christian. Well, one of the principles in the occult world is a Christian can cast a spell on himself. By standing in front of a mirror of his own reflection in the masonry, as above, so below, all the reflection pools go throughout Washington. Every, you see an obelisk, a reflection. The, the Lincoln Monument, the reflection, as above, so below. So they believe in the occult world, if you stand, if the reflection, if you read this into the mirror, you're reading it into yourself. And their attempt was to possess as many young people as they possibly could, so they put the lyrics in reverse, and as the young people stood in front of the mirror to read it, they're reading a curse on themselves. Completely ignorant of that. To show their intent after, after the cemetery, then resurrection, then reborn, then eternal, their next CD really revealed who they are. And this was the final CD, the Ouija board. That's where they were leading their young people. They began, ready to die, resurrection, rebirth, eternity, and then Satanism. That was the CD that followed that. But then sometimes they used different imagery, like the butterfly, Mariah Carey. The butterfly is a symbol of rebirth. Mariah Carey. This became so significant, she has a line with the butterfly on it. Uh, the butterfly is a symbol of rebirth. Mariah Carey continues to flash that and. She's a mega mogul, powerful, very influential. And the thing about that is when we idolize these artists, we follow their path. There is an addiction and there is an admiration that comes along with it because the spirit that controls them begins to control us. You find here Mariah Carey with the one she used to be married to. There she is flashing the, the butterfly on her back. It also touches the fashion industry. Let me ask a question. Are you shocked that the occult world influences the fashion industry? <laughs> I'm glad you're not, because you have to ask yourself the question, why do people dress so provocatively? Because the, because the occult world is also into controlling the way that we dress. A very well-known artist, a very well-known model by the name of Naomi Campbell, um, she, wanted to, she wanted to express her gratitude for her fame. And so she tried to figure out a way to do this. So her very wealthy Russian boyfriend had a house built for her to express her gratitude to the industry for the fame and wealth that she was able to amass. And here is how she had her house built. She had her house built in the shape of the eye of Horus. And the, the, habitable, the habitable, the livable part is in the, in the center of the eye or if you want to refer to the eyeball itself. This is the livable part right here. How ironic. I want to show my gratitude to the industry for my fame and fortune, so I had a house built. This is an aerial view of it, shaped in the eye of Horus. They make it clear. The occult world also influences the mind. 
There are books that young people have been reading. When I was being raised, remember vampires? Anybody older remember vampires? You know, Bella Lugosi. Vampires used to be ugly. The guy that you don't want to have around. You guy that you don't want to hang out with. But vampires are handsome nowadays and pretty, stunningly attractive. Because the industry wants young people to think that, hey, if you are fine, if you are beautiful, then you could be a part of this world and don't feel anything about it. So not only in the music and movie, but also in the books, is a new level of vice. And young people are eating these books up by the millions. So it's not just Harry Potter that's being ingested, but all these demonic books conditioning the minds of the young people. That's why they do these blood, these blood covenants. I cut myself, you cut yourself and make a blood covenant. That's where the cutting comes in, the shedding of blood. And look at these cover, album covers or these book covers. And look at the titles of them. Here's one to the right. Uh, vampire or Vampalore for night school. Look at them. They all are accenting the eye intentionally. Look at that. Frostbite. These are all about vampire practices for the young. But look at the people on the cover. They look like many of the young people today. Nothing wrong with the way a person looks, but they're trying to attract a particular audience. And they're making it look like if, if you are a college student, you have the look, Shadow Kisses, Vampire Diaries. These are books being sold by the millions. And people are buying it. And most of the people buying it are young folk. They're buying it. And they're conditioning their minds to think in that genre. The devil has not left any particular part of the industry untouched. Because he's going out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them too. In the movies, you find also Eon Flux, the changing, the form of a new age. They call this the age of the, the changing age, the Eon of Flux. Things are changing. Here's also something else you have to be careful of are sororities. What did I just say? Sororities. We think of them as innocuous and innocent. Oh, no, no. The reason why sororities are found on almost all university campuses is because they are marketing the young people to give them an introduction into the occult world. So they establish sororities. Here's a sorority, and I know this for a fact. I got contacted by a young lady who was an Adventist. She went to a university in Southern California, and after she saw the series, she got in touch with my wife and I. We had a chance to meet her, and she told us a story. She said she went to a particular college, and uh, she went into a female sorority, you know, good girls, whatever. They have good girls, the bad girls, the good guys, the bad guys. But it's all the same thing. So she joined the sorority. And in the ritual, they said, okay, on the night of the ritual, the night of the initiation, they had to dress in a black robe. They had to go into a particular building. The building was all dark. Walk up the steps. The steps are all dark. But she says as she was ascending the steps, her mom, she says she never forgot, her mom and her dad always said, be careful. Be careful what you get involved with. And that was ringing in the back of her mind. Be careful. So as she was ascending the steps, she said this feeling came over her. And I believe now that she tells the end of the story, I believe the Holy Spirit was saying, if you're going to turn around, do it now. So she said in her testimony, I said to those who were leading me up the steps, I have to go to the bathroom, she said. She found a way. I have to go to the bathroom. She went to the bathroom and she found a way to escape the building. They searched the college campus for her, couldn't find her. She said she didn't stay on that college campus. When she said, I had to go to the bathroom, she found a way to get off the college campus, and she found herself home. And she said, Pastor John, I know this for a fact. 
because I joined a sorority and the initiation into the satanic sorority through a satanic ritual was about to take place and the Lord delivered me at that very moment. So here's, a, here's, one, of the, here's one of the images of a sorority. This is a ver, uh, the Sanctus Deus sorority. And right in the center of that, notice what it says, Ordo Templi Orientis, the very religion that Aleister Crowley established. So be careful. The occult world also numbs the senses. Today I'm going to just do a couple of samples of music, and I'm just going to give you little pieces of it. Are you okay with that? Because I want you to see that even in the Christian world, even in the Christian world, the occult world has permeated the Christian world. Music. Now, I'm going to make this point. I am kind of glad in some degree for iTunes because iTunes gives you a chance to be selective. Because if you go out and buy a CD of certain of these Christian artists, on the CD you might find a nice, really nice song. But then a few songs later, you're right back to the clubs because it's exactly the kind of music that you just got delivered from. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You could have a CD with a beautiful Christian song and you love it. You know, I know my Redeemer lives. And later on, hip-hop. So I'm going to give you some samples. And then I'll show you the artists where some of these samples have come from. These are selective and just a few of them. All right? Are you ready? Now, the genres we're going to cover today in the hip-hop, rock, and R&B Christian music, and I want to tell you, some of this stuff is influencing the way that our young people listen to their music today. And it's not, it's, there's no particular race that is, um, is safe. Because some people may say, well, it's not in my culture. Well, I'm sorry, it's in every culture. Here are the genres. Here are the songs. All because of Jesus, mission of life, message for you, baby girl, already all right, Des my desire, revolution, praise joint. One of the first examples, and I, I'll just give you this. This is, this is a song called All Because of Jesus. Now you would think, beautiful song. Here it is. All because of Jesus. See if Jesus has anything to do with this. I think you get the point. Now, sadly enough, the group that has this particular song on its CD is one of my favorite groups because the other songs I like. Some of their other songs are beautiful, and this group is Casting Crowns. But you have to know what not to listen to. You see, some of us are like garbage bins. We just let anything get dumped into our minds. You got to know. When you start going, anybody know what I'm talking about? When it starts taking you back to where you just came from, it's time to change it. Here's another one. Different style of music. Mission of life. This is the kind of music you hear in the European tech. Time to collect the offering. Jonathan Pierce, another beautiful artist. He sang with the Gaither Quartet. Beautiful voice. He has some nice, nice songs. But on the same CD, you see the devil knows. What do they do? Mix darkness with light. Bitter with sweet. And because so many of us are unaware of how it works, we have no discretion. Now, have you heard of a... Well, let me just play this for you, and I'll tell you the artist behind this. <laughs> 
Okay. This is hip hop now. Hey, Nicole, we got a sticky situation. I think that's all you need. The same young lady that was invited by Billy Graham to sing for her, his crusades, she sang beautifully. She played her guitar, sang beautifully. Nicole C. Mullen, beautiful artist, has some beautiful songs, but right away, hey, Nicole, we got a sticky situation. Is Jesus in that? Come on, talk to me. Absolutely not. Same artist on the same CD. It's not just one, but two, but three on the same CD. Here's another one. Listen to what it says in the beginning. Hear the, hear the. Do you know your wealth? More than diamonds hiding on a shelf. Do you know who you are? You're what? God has made you a shining star. That's enough. Do you know who you are? God has made you a what? Shining star. So did Earth, Wind, and Fire say that. You're a shining star. Alistair Crowley, each of us is a shining star. Symbolism, coincidental? Absolutely not. And here's another one. Well, I think I, think I made the point. Do you think I made the point? I don't think you need to hear any more. I think I made the point. And um, I think I made the point. Come on, can I get an amen? But now let me show you how hip-hop has made its way into the church even more directly. There's a movement in America called Back to Church Sunday. And I contacted them by phone call because I thought they meant just back to church, but they meant back to church Sunday. In America, there's a movement from, Nate, from coast to coast pushing people to go back to church on Sunday. So they took a survey, primarily a study of society, and they said, well, now, how could we reach all sectors of society? we got to find a way to do that. So what they did was they put a video together. I, was gonna, I, I got the whole package. I got the whole package. So they put in the entire package all the material that they needed for us to have a campaign to encourage people to go back to church next Sunday. And I went to the website when they first established it, and they had every church listed there. Under A's, they had what? Adventist. Under S, they had what? Seventh-day Adventist. They wanted you to sign up your church to have a campaign to get people to go back to church when? Next Sunday. So I contacted them as an Adventist pastor, and I said, well, now, can't you just say next weekend? They said, no, our organization is particularly dedicated to get people to go back to church on Sunday. So they put a video together, and now I'm going to show you the whole video. I have to show it to you because I want to show you all the avenues of how they cover every genre. They have every kind of pastor you could think of, from clergy that wears a robe to the hip-hop guy with the metal pulpit to the black pastor with the hip-hop. They cover every genre. So I'm not going to make it loud, but I want to show you. And if this were not true, it would be a joke, but it's true. seen a church like this yeah we got lights cameras plenty of action don't need a suit man try relaxing got my chucks on and i'm rocking this plaid yeah. stainless steel podium i'm preaching from an ipad 
from the coffee bar. So before you raise a white flag and say I'm through with it, take it to church, man. Everybody's doing it. Back to church. Does that not sicken you? When the, when the church has to come that low down. And notice they covered every genre. The preacher in the robe. Faye on the pipe organ laying it down. The black preacher. Chuck from the Midwest. Find a location. They cover every genre. And they're not saying go back to church. So now you see why Revelation calls the church of Babylon the cage of every foul spirit and every unclean and hated bird. That's what the church has become. This is a genre. That's, now, that, now, I want you to get this now. I'm going to be very intentional. When we begin to mimic that, we have lost our mission. When we begin to, when the, when the sports announcer, when the football announcer, when the basketball announcer dresses in a suit, and the pastor, Sabbath morning, the kicks, dress it down, make God look common and commonplace. We cannot represent. Now, there's a place for that if you're doing something outside of that, but I believe that if the businessman who's just involved in money, wears a suit. And you cannot go to the White House dressed like that. And you can't go to the courtroom dressed like that. Why do you come to church on Sabbath morning dressed like that? Bringing God down to a commonplace level. The dumbing down of Christ. You saw it. But what has the condition been? And I told you I'll find a way to help you get out of it. Here we are. What has happened Dr. Archibald Hart has talked about a condition that exists among us. It's called anhedonia. Say that with me, anhedonia. A psychological condition, psychological condition characterized by the inability to experience normal pleasure. My wife and I were in Nairobi, we were in Zimbabwe, we were in Zambia, and we took some toys for the kids. You know what toys we took? We took a balloon. And we're blowing up the balloons, and these kids' eyes are going, a balloon? They couldn't wait for us to blow the balloon up, and when we threw the balloon out, they were losing their minds. Now, you do the same thing in America. Blow up a balloon and give it to a kid. They'll pop it and knock you out. Is that what you get me for Christmas, a balloon? Parents nailed to the side of the house because they didn't get what they want. A balloon? We've lost the ability in America to experience simple pleasure. I don't have time to go over this one because Simon Sinek talks about it. I've got to go right past it. But I'm going to give you this. This is what anhedonia does. Anhedonia process. At the start, that is when you're a baby, the low threshold, the mean between the stimulus, that is the white small triangle to the left, and the pleasure center, the red circle to the right, there's a low threshold barrier, meaning when a baby is born, it doesn't take very much for a baby to get excited. Have you ever done this in church? In the church I was raised in, we had one lady that always brought candy to church for the kids. And uh, every Sabbath, 
all the kids would run to her because they knew she had Tootsie Rolls and Peppermint and whatever the case may be. We called her the sweet lady. But we noticed that whenever, during the service, if anybody heard the sound, it's the rapper opening up. And we noticed, this was amazing, I think, we noticed the kids would go in the direction of the sound because they knew what that sound was something sweet. Well, when they were children, uh, all it takes for a little baby to be happy is just give them a lollipop. That's why they have lollipops for babies to stop from crying. Give them a lollipop. They'll be okay. And they go, ah. Because there's no barrier to their threshold of pleasure center. It doesn't take much to give them pleasure. But what ha look what happens. Stage two of anhedonia. You begin to overstimulate the body and the mind. It starts to raise the barrier to the pleasure center due to dopamine flooding. What happens is you need more now. You need more now to get the same high. Let me go ahead and illustrate that. Your music has to get heavier. You got to get more because that's what you're exposed to during the week. So, God forbid I come to church on Sabbath morning and it ain't like at least what I've liked during the week. So now I begin to say the church service is boring. So, Pastor, we need a kicking band. So what happens is we would not go to church on Sunday for doctrinal reasons, but we go to church on Sunday for musical reasons because we can't get the same feeling on Sabbath morning, the same feeling on Sabbath morning. We're not getting any, our pleasure center is not being satisfied because there needs to be more stimulus to get above the, the block to our pleasure center. That's when you're getting to the point. This is when you have full-blown anhedonia. Only high stimulation can reach the pleasure center. So the music has to be louder, has to be thumpier, has to be more exciting. You need more lights, more camera, more action. You need more stimulus because right now I am like this. I am caffeinated to the nth degree with my music. I'm on the edge with my entertainment. Do not bring me to church on Sabbath morning and bore me with reading just from the Bible and singing just from the hymnal. And I have no problem with praise music, just in case you think that. But here's the problem. When we become drug pushers on Sabbath morning, rather than preachers of the everlasting gospel, we are going in the same direction of the world. Dr. Archibald Hart points this out. He says... When a person is suffering from anhedonia, except for alcoholics in some cases because they have to find ways of weaning them off, you don't give them the same thing that got them hooked to get them unhooked. Follow this carefully. You don't give them the same music that they're hooked to to get them unhooked. You don't give them the same entertainment that they got hooked to to get them unhooked. And I had pastors of other denominations that came to my series in Atlanta and in, in the Virgin Islands. Pastors of Sunday churches that said, you know what? Now I know what's wrong with my congregation. We're kicking it on Sunday morning, but they are scripturally ignorant. They don't know their Bibles. So now what the Adventist church is battling with is feeling 
But I want to tell you, if we get back to message, come on now, if we get back to message, if we get back to message, ain't no, and I'm going to say it like a New Yorker, ain't no church could contend with us. We have left the message, trying to stimulate our way into heaven, losing our identity because it's more about feeling than it is about faith. That's why, as a pastor, I'm like Pastor Doug, he's president of Amazing Facts, but he works for the Northern California Conference. I'm a president, I'm a pastor in the Illinois Conference, but I work with 3ABN. One of the reasons I like working with that kind of ministry, we are committed to preaching an undiluted three angels' messages, one that will counteract the counterfeit. It's time that we get back to our message. Can I get an amen? And so when you do that, you'll discover, like, uh, what's the young people that go December? What's that? In December. GYC. I'm so glad to know that there are young people in our church that are not seduced by this. And this academy, GLA, Greater Lakes Adventist Academy, the reason why we send our children all the way up here is because they're not seduced by this. They got standards in this conference. But we need to carry this message all the way across the plethora of our conferences. Our leaders need to understand the power is in the message. Paul the Apostle says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own lust will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they will be turned away from the truth and be turned to fables. That's what's happening. Do not pattern yourself after Joel Olstein or T.D. Jakes. Now, let me make it very clear. There's sometimes I'm driving in my car, and I want to feel good, and I listen to Joel Olstein, but I'm not ever giving up my message for his message. Joel Olstein can convince a cow that he's a chicken. He's a feel-good kind of guy, and I like him in that sense. I don't have any problems with him. And T.D. Jakes could preach the pain off of a car. But I am not giving up my message for their message. I'm not changing. i got to be careful, John. Don't go too far. I'm just simply saying, it's time for Adventists to get back to the Advent message. Amen? And you'll find that there are people waiting for it. They're saying, why is there not rain? So what's the solution? Do not give people what they're addicted to to get them unaddicted because you'll just increase the capacity for them to be more anhedonic, beyond the point where they can agree with simple pleasures. Get your kids from behind the video games to the garden, to the bicycle. Take them out and do community service. We were down in Zimbabwe and there was a 17-year-old girl down there, and we said, what are you doing down here? She said, well, I'm on vacation, summer vacation. She said, I've been here ever since 11 years old. She said, one year, my parents took me to Disney World, and that was a summer I hated. I said, you hated Disney World? She said, because I was here 11, 12, 13, and I missed the 14th year. They took me to Disney World that year, and I hated it. She said, because I believe that people need to know more about Christ than just... Now, do I hate Disney World? I don't have a problem with simple pleasures, but here's the point. If all it is is an inoculation of pleasure, you forget why God has called you. No sin in certain things, 
But when it becomes your inoculation, it leads you away from the mission that God has called you to. And just a few more slides, just four more. Are you okay with that? What happened to this book? What happened to the book that Alistair Crowley produced? Here's what has happened to it. That book, Liber Alba Legis, the book of the law, here's what has happened to it. In May 2009, Philema and the book of the law, the Bible, the spiritual, the spiritist-inspired book was recognized by Her Majesty's Court Service in the United Kingdom as a religion. It's now a religion in the United Kingdom. As it has both a holy book, the spiritist book, the book of the law, and a deity, primarily, primarily for the purpose of the oath, that is the oath with these dark spirits of this occult world, as required in the law. So all they did to get this to elevate to the place of a Bible is they said, we have a religion, we have a Bible, we have a book, we have a deity. You have a Bible, you have a religion, you have a deity. We have a Bible, we have a religion, we have a deity. And they elevated to the same level in the United Kingdom as the Holy Bible. Now you may wonder why there are 85,000 registered witches in England and only 42,000 registered clergy. In 2016, we went to England and gave an evangelistic series against all counsel. Everybody said to us, 3ABN, you're wasting your time to go to London. It's a waste of time. They're not going to hear it. But God had us go for another reason. We had six or seven or nine locations of people preaching. We had a lot of souls baptized. But that's not why God sent us there. While we're working on the evangelism in different locations, different churches, one of our engineers went to the entertainment companies in England and made a proposal to put 3ABN on. They don't put religious programming on television in UK, but God had a plan. You can now go to the United Kingdom. Every household has access to 3ABN. Every household. It's a government standard. You don't have to buy a special package. You don't have to buy a special machine. In the UK, in Scotland, and in Ireland, they all, on standard television, has access to 3ABN. Because the everlasting gospel has to go to the world. And let me end it right here. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Have we gotten there? Yes. The final call is back to true worship. Fear God. Come on, let's end this together. Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come. And worship Him who made heaven and earth the sea, and the springs of water. Can I get an amen? Now you may get off the train. We've come to the final exit. This was a summary. I, I, I filed it down. We're out of all the DVDs, but let me tell you, one of the reasons I believe that we have to get back to the Three Angels' Messages is we had some booklets at the ABC, the Three Angels' Messages in summary. They are arriving again today because it went like brush fire. Let me encourage you. You can get in touch with me or contact 3ABN. It is time. Your president has expressed interest in getting these books to your conference. It's in a size that you can pass to your neighborhoods, your friends, get them by the boxes. It's time to get the message in the hand of people because we believe that Jesus is coming again.
So pray for us as we go and communicate the message. Pray for us as we are faithful to the call of God. Thank you for staying with me a little longer today than but we were able to get this completed. Let's ask for God to guide us. Now you have a responsibility to go back to your churches, your schools, your leadership, your pastors. Help them now get back to the preaching of the gospel rather than the inoculation of the saints. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. Thank you for the fact that you love us with an everlasting love and with loving kindness you draw us. We pray, Lord, that as our world is unfolding before us and it's becoming more and more cancerous, darker by the moment, Satan and his demons are working with fury because they hear the footsteps of an approaching God. Help us to get back to what you've raised this church up for, the proclamation of the everlasting gospel. May we be parents. May we be leaders. Restore our authority in our home. Help us to love our children enough to say no, but this is the way. Walk in it. Help us to pray for that medium, not to hate praise music and only the hymnal, but however we praise you and however we worship you, help us not to sacrifice our message in the process. And may we not only come to know Jesus, but may we exude him in our lives, in our pulpits, in our schools, and in our conferences, but may it begin in our homes. And when the time comes for us to stand before our God, may we hear the phrase, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And may our families and our children be in the kingdom because of the stand we take. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.